you open your Bibles to Philippians chapter 2, uh, we're going to begin in verse 19 through verse 30. And today we're talking about two godly examples. We actually uh, kind of opened chapter 2 with the idea of models for unity. And these also are not only godly examples, they are also models for unity as well. We looked at the life of Jesus Christ and how he humbled himself and came down and down and down. His humility, his obedience, his surrender to the Father uh, was a model for humility and a model for unity for the Philippians. Then we also saw the end of uh, the message last week when we looked at the life of Paul and how he poured out his life like a drink offering. Uh, he also was a model. Uh, now we're going to look at Timothy and Epaphroditus as two uh, models as well. How many of you have heard of Kevin Looney? Anybody know who Kevin Looney is? Any hands at all? Not Kevin Looney. Okay. Uh, Kevin Looney uh, plays basketball for the Golden State Warriors. Uh, he's played one game this season. He's has scored a total of three points. His jersey is number five. He was drafted in the NBA in 2016, and you don't hear of him because he doesn't hardly play. Um, how many have heard of uh, Stephen Curry? Steph Curry, a few more of you, okay. Um, Steph Curry has played 10 years in the NBA, debuted in October of 2009. Uh, he has career stats of 23 and a half points a game for a career. His free throw shooting is 90.5% uh, for his career. His um, uh, free th uh, field goal percentage is 47.6 for his career. And his field goal uh, for three-pointers is 43.5. Phenomenal. His salary is just a little over $40 million uh, compared to um, Kevin Looney, a little over $4 million. Uh, poor guy. <laughs> um, Steph Curry, because he's such a, 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 an all-star, he was an all-star six times. He's been an NBA uh, MVP twice. Uh, he has a lot of nicknames. Baby-faced assassin, Chef Curry, the Human Torch, Threeses. Uh, so he has all these different names. His real success and claim to fame is he was born in Akron, Ohio. That's where I was born and raised, just in case you didn't know that. Um, I don't think he lived there very long, but uh, he was born and raised in Akron. Now, let's say um, your son or daughter, maybe, basketball fan, they're going into Dick's Sporting Goods to get a jersey. How many of them are going to gravitate toward Kevin Looney? How many are going to walk out with a Kevin Looney jersey? How many of you think? Yeah, zero. You know why? You can't even find a Kevin Looney jersey in Dick's Sporting Goods. I've been in there looking, and they're not in there, but you can find a lot of Steph Curry right on the back. Why? Because kids want to identify with a winner and somebody who has proven themselves, who is a model of what they want to be. And so we see that in Steph Curry. Today we have a great need for role models. People look a lot of places. They look at musicians, singers, authors, teachers, professors, 
parents, statesmen, stateswomen, military figures, and even sports heroes, but we also have a great need in our day for godly role models. Godly role models have always been in short supply. We see Jesus as a model, we see Paul as a model, and now we're going to look at Timothy and Epaphroditus who model Christ-likeness. Their lives are a fragrant offering to the Lord. So let's look in chapter 2, beginning in verse 19. Paul says, I hope in the Lord Jesus to send Timothy to you soon, that I also may be cheered when I receive news about you. I have no one else like him who takes a genuine interest in your welfare. For everyone looks out for his own interests, not those of Jesus Christ. But you know that Timothy has proved himself because as a son with his father, he has served with me in the gospel, work of the gospel. I hope therefore to send him as soon as I see how things go with me, and I am confident in the Lord that I myself will come soon. But I think it necessary to send back to you Epaphroditus, my brother, fellow worker, and fellow soldier, who is also your messenger, whom you sent to take care of my needs. For he longs for all of you and is distressed because you heard he was ill. Indeed, he was ill and almost died. But God had mercy on him, and not on him only, but also on me, to spare me sorrow upon sorrow. Therefore, I am all the more eager to send him, so that when you see him again, you may be glad, and I may have less anxiety. Welcome him in the Lord with great joy, and honor men like him, because he almost died for the work of Christ risking his life to make up for the help you could not give me. So today, as we look at these two godly examples, these role models that we should seek to strive to pattern our lives after, we're going to look at four qualities that are set forth in modeling a humble attitude. And I I tried to put up, uh, you can see some uh, Spanish up there, Uh, to try to help those who have a Spanish background. Unfortunately, I don't have the the verses uh, in Spanish, uh, but the main points, uh, I'll have that in Spanish as well to try to to be a help. So the first one that we're going to look at today is faithful. Faithful. We see the faithfulness in Paul and his commitment to God's will. Look in verse 19. He says, I hope in the Lord Jesus to send Timothy to you soon. He says he hopes in the Lord Jesus. Paul does not do anything apart from Christ. Everything he does, he wants to do according to the will of God. He wants to honor God in his life. And so he says, I hope in the Lord Jesus to send Timothy to you soon, that I also may be cheered by news about you. And he says in chapter 2, verse 24, again, and I trust how in the Lord that shortly I myself will come to you. Paul is saying, my life might not last much longer, but I'm hoping in the Lord to do these things according to God's will. And what a great example and testimony to a young pastor in the faith as he's training and mentoring and modeling for Timothy, what he wants Timothy to know and what he wants Timothy to be, to be a faithful man of God who is committed to the will of God no matter what. Here Paul is in prison. His life is in danger and he's saying, I am still committed to the will of God even if it means my head. I'm going to follow the the Lord. So what a great example and great testimony to Timothy. This idea of faithfulness. 
Think about it. Faithfulness in marriage carries the idea of devotion to one. In 1 Timothy chapter 3, we see the qualifications for an elder, and one of the qualifications for an elder is that they are the husband of one wife, a one-woman man. He's saying that his heart, his affection, his devotion is to be exclusive to this one relationship. We see that kind of faithfulness in Timothy and Epaphroditus. Epaphroditus is called a brother, a fellow worker, a fellow soldier, your messenger and minister to my need. This is a picture of faithfulness. We likewise see this same quality of faithfulness in Timothy when Paul delegates this responsibility to Timothy to go back to Philippi to minister to the church in Philippi. He knows that Timothy will be faithful to the task that God has called him to. And that should be a challenge to each one of us to be faithful in the task that God has called us to, to carry the gospel into the world. Are we faithful soldiers and workers, servants, messengers of the gospel of Jesus Christ? That's what God has called us to be. And we have a wonderful example of this in Timothy. Look in 1 Corinthians chapter 4, verse 17. Paul says when he was sending him to Corinth, that is why I sent you, Timothy, my beloved and what? Faithful child in the Lord, to remind you of my ways in Christ as I teach them everywhere in every church. I wonder if my name was up there, could that be said about my name? Could Paul say that about me? That's why I'm sending you, Roy, my beloved and faithful child in the Lord, as he reminds you about the ways of the Lord. Could he say that about you? Are you reminding people about the ways of the Lord, the faithfulness? Our faithfulness to God is to be singular. Timothy modeled faithfulness in his ministry. In fact, Scripture says that we are only to pass on the truths of Scripture to those who are faithful. Here's what it says in 2 Timothy 2, verse 2. And what you have heard from me, Paul writes to young Timothy, in the presence of many witnesses, entrust who? To faithful men who will be able to teach others also. So God is saying, Paul is saying, Timothy, what you have heard from me, I want you to pass on to faithful men. Why? You can't pass on biblical truth to unfaithful people. Unfaithful people won't be there to hear it. Unfaithful people won't be consistent. And he's saying we need that consistency. If we're going to pass on the baton of faith, we need to be faithful to the task that God has called us to. To be faithful to that task. You see, a faithful person is a good listener. How do I know that? Well, look what he says. And what you have what? Heard. What you have heard from me, Timothy, what you have taken into your heart, not just your ears, but you've taken it into your heart, what you have heard as a good listener. You see, a good listener is a person of true humility. They're teachable. By being a good listener, you admit something. You admit you don't know it all. You have room to grow, to learn, to gain a greater perspective. There are areas in your life that you need to develop. 
We all need to be good listeners to hear what God has to say to us. Here's how Jesus said it in Matthew eleven twenty nine: 29. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and lowly in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. See, God has things he wants to teach us, but the only way he can get those things to us that we need is we need to be faithful, faithful to the Lord. How do we learn from Jesus today? He says, take my yoke upon you and learn from me. So how do we learn from Jesus today? By receiving his word into our lives. We receive God's word by humbly acknowledging that we need this instruction in our lives to guide us. That we don't know it all. That we do lack wisdom. That we do have insufficient ability to navigate through the waters of life alone. And that's why in the book of James, he says that we are to receive with meekness, humility, God's word into our lives, into our hearts. What was the purpose of Paul sending Timothy back to Philippi? He had a reason. It wasn't just to visit with them and it wasn't just to fellowship with them, although that was part of it. I think it was the same reason he sent him to the Thessalonians. And it says in 1 Thessalonians 3, 2, we sent Timothy, our brother and God's co-worker in the gospel of Christ to establish and exhort you in your faith. That's why Paul was sending Timothy back to Philippi and he needed a faithful man who would carry that message and carry that heart to the people so they would be established in the faith to get people grounded in the truth to encourage them in their faith that's the job of every parent that's the job of us in the church that we are to ground our children in the truth so let me encourage you as a parent or a grandparent to faithfully teach your children about where our gender comes from. You see, we live in a culture today that there's so much gender confusion, gender identity, and distortion of the truth. All we have to do is go back to God's revelation, Genesis chapter 1. God created them male and female. He created them in the image of God. Genesis chapter 1, case closed. Male and female. God did not make a mistake when he created a boy or a girl and gave them and assigned them that biological design. For us to do otherwise or think otherwise is a slam to the face of God. Parents, grandparents, instill in your children that gender is a God-given gift from their Creator. Tell them that we have a creator. In the beginning, God, there is a creator, and it did not come through evolution. Teach your children. Ground them in those truths that are so vital. You see, unfortunately, in our culture, we can't even get past Genesis chapter 1 without violating and rebelling against the revelation of God. We need to teach our children. Faithfully teach your children that marriage is between one man and one woman. 
That's in Scripture. For this reason, a man will leave his father and mother and be united to his wife, and the two will become one flesh. It's only one man and one woman for life. There is no other institution, no other people that should be involved in marriage but that. That's what God has instituted. That's not my idea. That's God's idea. It's His revelation. That's what we teach. That's what we preach. And that's what we will continue to preach no matter what the culture says or what the culture does. We have to come back. We are destroying ourselves when we reject the revelation of God's truth. Parents, teach your children. Pull out your marriage wedding album. Show them the pictures. Talk to them about that. Parents of teens, faithfully teach your children about physical intimacy and what a gift it is from the Lord. If you have a teenager, take them out. Get the passport to purity packet. Walks you through how to share with your kids. I did it with both my boys. It was a wonderful weekend to get away with them and to tell them about the physical intimacy that God has given as a gift. And I counted it a privilege. It's a privilege we have as parents to do that. Do that with your children. Teach them. We have lots of great resources. We have resources on our Right Now Media. We have Right Now Media that we have access to through our church. If you don't access that, access it. There are good things out there for kids. Faithfulness. Well, let's move on. The second thing here is a selfless attitude. A selfless attitude. Notice what he says in verse 20. I have no one else like him, like Timothy, who takes a genuine interest in your welfare. For everyone looks out for his own interests, not those of Jesus Christ. That was not true of Timothy. Timothy was a man who had a selfless attitude. As far as we know, Timothy never married. It doesn't even appear as though he had a home. He was always going at the call and beckon of his mentor, Paul. Wherever Paul wanted him to go, whenever Paul wanted him to go, if Paul wanted him to stay, he stayed. If he wanted him to go, he went. He was just that kind of guy. He wanted to serve the Lord, and he did with a selfless attitude. Paul was selfless in sending Timothy. Here he is in prison. He needs Timothy's presence and support in prison while under house arrest but he's willing to sacrifice. He's saying, Timothy, you need to go because they need you in Philippi to teach them how to function and live as a church, how to operate properly. And he says, that's why I hope in the Lord Jesus to send Timothy to you. Paul is saying, my life could be coming to a close. I may not get there. I want to get there. But I want you to learn how to function as a church. His selfless attitude Timothy was not looking for personal success. He sought the things of Jesus Christ rather than his own interests. And if we go back in chapter 2, verse 3, look what he says. Chapter 2, verse 3, Do nothing out of selfish ambition or in vain conceit, but in humility consider others better than yourselves. Each of you should look not only to your own interests, 
but also to the interests of others. And that was Timothy to a T. And boy, wouldn't we have an amazing body if we all adopted that selfless attitude that Timothy possessed. Timothy was selfless in his service. He was more interested in helping others grow without looking to enhance his portfolio. He put the needs of the Philippians ahead of his own. He desired what was best for them. He wasn't looking for personal recognition so he could run home and put it on Facebook with all the pictures and say, look what I did. No. He was interested in ministry. He looked for ways to assist, support, and encourage people in the faith, to nurture them in their walk with Christ, to make an investment. He longed to make an impact into the church. He wanted to make a difference. He was faithful. He was selfless. Do you remember what Timothy's name means? One who honors God. He had been tested and approved. If we look in verse 22, he says, You know that Timothy has proved himself because as a son with his father, he has served with me in the work of the gospel. He had been tested and proved. He labored with Paul and faced danger in doing so. Think about it. Paul's life is in danger of possibly being executed And he's identifying with this guy. This guy has been on trial a few times. He's been in and out of prison. And he says, I have no one else like Timothy. This Timothy is one-souled. He is with me. He thinks like me. He acts like me. He serves like me. He loves like me. He cares like me. This is the man, he said, who has caught the vision and understands what we're all about. We also see this in Epaphroditus. He labored with Paul. He faced danger as well. He got sick even to the point of death. And he tells us in verse 30, he almost died for the work of Christ, risking his life to make up for the help you could not give me. Epaphroditus came with an offering from the church in Philippi. They they sent resources to him to help him to resource Paul. And Epaphroditus brought that, and he stayed and he ministered to Paul. But Paul said, you know what? Here's Paul's selfless act. He said, you know what? I love having Epaphroditus here. He's ministered to me, but I need him to go back and minister to you. And so he he says in verse 25, I think it necessary to send back to you Epaphroditus, my brother, fellow worker, and fellow soldier in Christ. You see, as Christians, as we serve Christ, we serve one another. Timothy was shining his light in a dark place. He had a humble spirit, and he gave him of himself to help others grow in their faith. When's the last time you met with someone to encourage them in their walk with Christ? That you intentionally, that was your purpose in meeting with them, maybe even praying with them intentionally. Maybe you do it on a regular basis to do that. The third quality we see in the life of Timothy is a servant heart. A servant heart. As we said a moment ago in verse, back in chapter uh, 2, verse 20, he says, I have no one else like him 
who takes a genuine interest in your welfare. And then he says in verse 23, or verse 22, but you know that Timothy has proved himself because as a son with his father, he has served with me in the work of the gospel. His servant heart, no one else like him, one of a kind, He was the one who possessed the same servant heart like Paul. And notice that Paul, when he focuses on Timothy, he's not focusing on his gifting or his skill. He's focusing on his heart. He's focusing on his character, which is the same thing we see when we see him writing to Timothy, a young pastor, of how you are to lead in a church In 1 Timothy chapter 3, when he writes the qualifications of an elder, most of those qualifications have to do with character and heart than they do skill, because skills can be learned and developed. But a servant heart is much harder to develop. Timothy had a love for the church. He had the heart of a shepherd. He capitalized on opportunities to serve. In Acts chapter 16, verse 2, it says, The believers at Lystra and Iconium spoke well of him. That's the kind of guy he was. Everybody around him just spoke well of him because of his servant heart for the Lord. Paul was able to instruct him in how to be a godly pastor, how to lead in the church. You see, there was more time and energy spent in training Timothy than the other pastors because we have two letters in the New Testament written specifically to Timothy. And so Paul spent a lot of time and energy to train and equip. Why? Because this man was faithful, he was selfless, and he was a servant. And when you get somebody like that, a pastor is going to pour himself into that because Paul isn't going to be around. And that's what we are to do. We are to pour ourselves into that next generation so that other people will pick up the mantle. But the key is faithfulness to be able to pass it on. A shepherd. Timothy was a shepherd. He concerned about the health and the welfare and the protection of the sheep. Sheep require a lot of attention. Sheep aren't the most smartest animal are they? They tend to follow one another and wander off and get into trouble. They can't find clean water and food. They need a shepherd. And that's what Timothy was. And Paul was so grateful for him. I think as parents, we need to provide opportunities for our children to serve others. If we are going to develop servant hearts in them, give them opportunities, give them choices, to serve, to serve other people. Let them come up with a list of names. Who can you serve this week? Who would God have you serve? Maybe it's a fellow classmate. Maybe it's somebody else, but who would God have you serve? That servant heart has to come with a heart of humility. Here's what Augustine of Hippo said. It was pride that changed angels into devils. It is humility that makes men as angels. Timothy was like an angel. 
The fourth one, the fourth quality we want to look at here is a single mindset. He also had a single mindset. He says that Timothy as a son, in verse 22, with his father has served with me in the work of the gospel. He was absolutely committed to Paul in helping him. Paul had no sons in the flesh. Timothy took care of Paul. They proved his genuineness even in life-threatening situations. But he also added that Timothy's primary commitment was not to Paul, but to the gospel. Paul remembered Timothy's value to the ministry. The only way we are going to be valuable in the ministry, the way that God wants us to be, is we need to have a single mindset. A single mindset that God longs for us to have. When Luther's puppy happened to be at the table, he looked for a morsel from his master. And he watched with open mouth and motionless eyes. He, Martin Luther, said, Oh, if I could only pray the way this dog watches the meat. All his thoughts are concentrated on the piece of meat. Otherwise, he has no thought, wish, or hope. to have a single mindset. I want to remind us of the power of one person. In the 1920s, there was a sociology class at John Hopkins University. It made a study of children in deprived neighborhoods in Baltimore. They identified 200 children who appeared doomed to spend years in prison. After 25 years, another study was made to discover what had happened to those particular children. Surprisingly, only two were incarcerated. As these men and women were interviewed, over and over again came the name of their teacher, Aunt Hannah. The sociologists were correct in their predictions. By all indications, the children would be dregs of society. But there was an intervention, Aunt Hannah an elementary school teacher who loved them. See, the power of an example, the one who was going to invest, the one who had a servant heart, a selfless attitude, faithfulness, single mindset to make a difference in the lives of these children. Let's bow our heads for a word of prayer. we bow our heads and close our eyes, think about the example that you are setting for your children, you are setting for other believers in the church. Are you making an investment for not only time but for eternity? that you are impacting others with the gospel of Jesus Christ. You are using your gifts and talents to help others grow in their walk with the Lord. You're investing in your children, teaching them and training them so they know the basics of even their gender. Marriage. These things that are under attack in our society. 
And you have parents have that opportunity and responsibility to teach, to train, to equip so we don't lose our children. God help us. And as we talked about last week, that we are to be like stars in the universe. We are in a dark world, but the darker the night, the brighter the light. The more opportunity we have to spread light to those in darkness. If you're here today and you don't know Jesus as your personal Savior, Jesus Christ died on the cross for your sin and for my sin. Shed his blood that we could be forgiven of our sin and put it in a right relationship with God. If you have questions, if the Holy Spirit is tugging on your heart, I would invite you to talk to myself or somebody else. Don't leave so we can share with you how you can have a personal relationship with God. For those of us who know the Lord, that we would continue to shine our light, continue to be a godly example to those around us in the days ahead. Let's pray. We hope you've enjoyed today's message. If you would like to know more about Bethesda Church, you can check us out on the web by going to our website, which is BethesdaMB.org. That's Bethesda, M as in Mary, B as in boy, dot org. Or check us out on Facebook by searching for Bethesda Church of Huron. Have a blessed day.